hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Acts chapter 12. Do you know, one of the things I've kind of come to realize, um, the more I'm around people and the more I'm involved in ministry, and I've been in ministry a long time, and the more I've become realize, realizing that it's not just what Jesus has done for us, it's the recognizing that we know what Jesus has done for us, right? Many people are not appropriating the freedom and the promises that God has for us. Most people are not appropriating the freedom and the promises God has for us. Jesus paid an awfully big price. It's a really good message around Christmas and around Easter, but unless it's appropriated in your personal life, in other words, you rea- it becomes a reality or an actuality in your life, it's nothing more than a concept or dream that you learn and you study of. It becomes a science, uh, the science of the cross, and you're not really living it in actuality in your life. There's nothing worse than knowing about it, but not experiencing it, right? Let's read this passage of scripture. I'm not sure how far I'll go along on Acts chapter 12 here, but we'll see. Jesus is already resurrected. He's already ascended to heaven, already come. The, the spirit of God has already descended upon mankind. The spirit has descended upon the man and remained. So now the Holy Spirit, Christ in the spirit, God the spirit is now governing mankind through in the earth. What am I saying? That means we used to have a bunch of rules that were written on a bunch of rocks and tablets and stones, and you would have to reference those to go, don't steal, don't kill, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And God said, I'm gonna take that that's written on those stones and I'm gonna put them on your heart. So whether you know it or not, it's in you to do right. So when you're talking to kids, let's just talk here for a second. When you're talking to kids and they're eight and nine and seven, eight, nine years old, and they're acting like hellions, right? You have to know what's in them. God placed something good. So you begin to speak over their life, even when they're not acting like they're supposed to be doing, even like they're acting like they're not doing right. It's in them to do right. It's God's plan for them to do right. It's God's will for them to turn out good. It just is, right? But a lot of times we get caught up in the behaviors So it's our responsibility as parents, grandparents, church members, fellowship, relationship people that are involving in guiding kids' life is to call out, identify that strength and that character of God inside that person. I'll give you an example. Last Sunday, um, Saturday evening, they had texted me and said, listen, we want to do a service up here at this state tournament. Can you, would you care to do the service? I said, no, I don't mind doing the service. So we all players, families, all this gathered in this room. And I had brought about a 15 minute devotion at the end of the devotion, because I had kids, parents, grandparents, family members, there's all these people in their different relationships. And I thought, gosh, how am I gonna minister to, that's like doing children's church and adult church all at one time. That's hard. So I just gave a little bit of a devotion and then I looked over and Caden was sitting over there. I said, Caden, come on up here. I said, I need you to pray. And he said, okay. And he stood up there and prayed. Didn't bother him a bit. And, and, and I wasn't listening for what he said. 
I just wanted the act of him getting up there with confidence to pray, right? Because he needs to know that he's connected. And I need, I, he needs to know that I know he's connected. And you need to know that your kids and grandkids and other kids are connected, right? And the first thing you do to tell a kid that is you need to tell them they're connected. And you put them in awkward, uncomfortable positions to bring that best out of them, right? Oh, they're, they're just introverted. They're just quiet. They really, they don't like to be put on the spot. Put them on the spot. Amen. Bring them up out of there. Well, they, 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 they get fearful. You know how to overcome fear? Do it. That's why we try to get our kids out here on the platform a lot. We, have, we, might, we might give them all microphones. Why, to perform or show? No, we want them to know that they don't have to be intimidated up here in front of people. Because people are gonna talk about them anyway when they get older. Isn't that true? We want them to be so secure in themselves that that doesn't dictate or determine who they are. It's coming from here. So when I say that is that there's, we gotta raise our kids up into a point where they know what Christ has done, the freedom that he has paid for us, and the Holy Spirit governed, we now know that the Holy Spirit is governing across the earth. The kids need to know, we need to know, adults need to know that if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have the governor in your heart. And his role is to lead and guide you into truth and righteousness. It's not to point out the flaws in everybody around you. It's to guide you into personal truth and righteousness to discover the revelation, the revealing, and the unveiling of Christ in you, which is the hope of all glory. Make sense? So, so recognize that something, something happened. So if, if we look at an Old Testament character that got their religion and relationship through a couple of stones and rules, and you look at a New Testament character, a person in the New Testament, us. And if we still look at the old and that governs us more so than what governed that are the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we're living under the old law, not under the new covenant. You should be recognizing the relationship you have with him more so than having to reference it in the textbook. Is that all right? This is not, the Bible is not, I got my phone, but I don't have a Bible up here, but the, the, the Bible's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's a revealing of Christ. Well, guess what? You are a revealing of Christ. I can't even get to Acts chapter 12 here. Listen to me. When the Bible, when the Bible says that in the book of Revelation, he will open up the book, the Lamb's book of life, right? And he says, who is worthy to open up the book? Who's worthy to open up the book? There's no man worthy. There's none in heaven and earth that's worthy except one. It didn't say Jesus, even though he's referring to Jesus. He said the Lamb. The Lamb is worthy to open up the book. Why is the Lamb worthy to open up the book? Because the lamb was crucified and the blood sealed it and made the sacrifice officially completely paid for. And guess who is the book? 
You're the book. So now that Jesus died as the lamb, he can break the seal off of your life. So open the book. What's in you? I know we'd like to bring it over here in a textbook and read it at the library, but the reality of it is, Diana, Steph, when you get saved, the lamb opened the book. He's the only one that can open the book. The devil can't open the book. Only the lamb. Jesus opened the book. He opened the book, and now it's up to you to allow him to reveal to you, you. And the plans that he has for you. That's the book of Revelation. Are we okay? Too many people today, I'm telling you, too many people today are, are, are compartmentalizing their Christian life. We look over here and we go, it's just a moral code to live by. It's a moral code to live by, but if Christianity is only a moral code to live by, you're missing the relationship. Because I know moral people that aren't saved. Sometimes I know unsaved people that are more moral than people that are saved. Maybe not in your family, but I know a few. You know what I'm saying? They profess Jesus, but this thing is much more than than, than, than compartmentalizing. So if, you're, if, you're, if your outlook on Christianity and your life of being saved is over here is my rule book, this is what I can and cannot do, you're missing the whole point of the relationship with Christ. Right? If you receive Christ in your heart, you now have those laws written on your heart. Your heart that was stony has now become fleshly, soft. Flesh meaning this, reality, okay? So now Christ working in you and through you is working out salvation in your life through experiences, things that are good, things that are not so good. And there's some pillars that you have have to know and have to cement in your life If you don't cement these pillars, a couple of them especially, you get thrown with every type of wind of doctrine and every type of life circumstance will knock you off your feet. The first one you have to recognize is he will never leave you or forsake you. So when the waves come over over your soul, crashing over your soul, he'll stand by me, right? He'll never leave me or forsake me. When things come at you, and the Bible says the rains on the just and unjust, you don't have to be a sinner to have problems. It comes at all of us. Life is no respecter of persons. It just happens, right? So when it comes, and just because life starts happening to you, life begins to come, situations, circumstances begin to happen, anchor yourself on the fact is, God is not angry with me. He's for me and not against me. And he's right in the middle of my situation. Can we settle those two things? He's good and he's for me, right? And he's not left me because I'm feeling alone right now. When I feel isolated and alone, he's still there. Just because I feel like he's mad at me doesn't mean he's mad at me. 
Just because I feel like he says, God, is this your wrath coming against me? No, no. It, 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 he still loves me in the midst of my situation. He's still good when I'm not good. Your, his goodness is not determined about your, how, you're, how good you are. He's good anyway. He loves anyway. He favors you anyway. And he'll not leave you or walk away from you for any reason or circumstance. How do we know that? How can he? As long as he was a God that was on tablets, that dwelled in a tent in a tabernacle, there was a separation. But that way he comes and takes up residence inside you, there is no separation. So the minute you, this is a, this is a test, the minute you begin to think that God might have walked away from you, or he's angry with you about something you have done or are doing. You're living by the old and not by the new. And we have to get the church, all of us, into this place of that God is truly inside this tabernacle. We appreciate he comes here, but this is a, a house built with man's hands. This is not a house that's built with man's hands. So when many people that come together like us, that have the Holy Spirit inside of us and get together in one place, stuff should happen, right? There should be a magnifying of the Lord, an enlarging where we see him and he begins to eclipse all of life's issues when we all come together, right? But when you leave here, if you still magnify the Lord in your life, he'll still eclipse those life issues even though you still have them. It's not out of sight, out of mind. It's what I've got is greater than anything that's coming against me. Doesn't mean I don't have to come against me. It's just what I have is greater. And if I anchor on the greater, then I know I'm living a new covenant. If I'm anchoring on he might be gone, where are you, God? How come you're not doing this, Lord? What you? And I start separating myself from him, thinking he separated himself from me, I'm living the old. And I'm discounting the cross, even though I don't even try to. Does that make any sense? Let's read Acts chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod, the king stretched forth his hands because the church, the Holy Spirit had already been to the church, the, the, the church had already been starting to get scattered. Miracles were happening. Uh, God was working now through his people, the Holy Spirit working through his people. Now about that time, Herod, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He had killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And, he, and because he saw it please the Jews, you know, that kills me right there. Anytime you see somebody else trying to please other people, people pleasers, to bring, put somebody else down, they're not of the right spirit. If you're engaged in conversation with people, Christian people, leaders, whatever it might be, coworkers, bosses, parents, family members, let me just keep going. If you're engaged in conversation and they begin to, to put other people down or to craft a, a story against somebody or plot against somebody because it pleases those they're talking to. That's not of the right spirit. You need to end that conversation. You need not be a part of that conversation. Right? Because you're going to be conspiring with the wrong spirit. Watch. 
So he proceeded further to take Peter off. He wanted to kill Peter because he knew it pleased the Jews, but he killed James. There was the days of unleavened bread. That's a whole other sermon right there. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison. So he takes Peter, puts Peter in prison because he's going to kill him. He just killed James. Everybody's happy with him, so he's getting favor. It's a political thing. And delivered him into the four quaternions of soldiers, four guys, four soldiers to keep and watch over him, intending after Easter, after the, the, the unleavened bread week, to bring him forth to the people. He's going to bring him forth because it got good po- politics. Keep going. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, they had all night prayer meetings. Now, think about this. Jesus has already ascended. The spirit of God has already come to the earth. It's residing in now men. These men have got a revelation and understanding of life is now different than it was two weeks ago. Something's changed. What's changed? God is really in us and he's given us power to reveal and be representatives of Christ here on the earth. So he, they, those guys were walking around healing people, setting people free. They were also wreaking havoc in the economy because the things that were, that were unlawful, now they're calling out and God's beginning to birth things in people. The cities and communities were getting turned upside down. Why? Because of the, 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 the presence and the momentum that was coming through men and women of God that recognized God was inside of them. They started believing God was really there. So things were starting to happen. So the religious community and the political community didn't want an uproar of people in the community of religious, of Christian people because it was causing people to follow after him. So it was, it was causing contra- contradiction and conflict with the status quo. So they begin to, how can we control this uproar? Right? So they call the people together. They kill James. They kill, I'm going to arrest Peter. Now we got some, we're, gonna, we're formally going to be able to stop this because these guys are the big guys. Peter's the mouth. He's the one that had his first sermon. You know, we got to get it. So we put Peter in prison. So the church recognizes there's affliction. They recognize there's something that's not quite right. So they do what's right. They do what they did in the book of Acts chapter one and two when they went to the upper room and Jesus told them before he left, I want you to go up there and pray until something happens. They knew if they prayed without ceasing, something was gonna happen just like it happened on the day of Pentecost. They had confidence and experience that prayer was gonna change things. So they come in together in an all night prayer meeting continually praying for Peter because Peter was their guy. He was the rock. He was the guy that was the leader. He was the guy that was the spoke out spokesperson and the person that was saying all the right things and had momentum. He, would, he could tell them what the Lord was doing. He was bold enough as a lion to stand up in front of the, the people and take them on. He didn't care. So when you lock away your leader, it causes them to pray a lot more. So they go and they pray all night long. Watch this. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now think about this. Bound with two chains and the keepers before the door. He had two guys on the outside, two guys on the inside, and Peter in chains. And Peter's sleeping. You get a disconnect notice and you wake all night. You think your daughter's talking to somebody that she shouldn't be talking to. And you're awake for two days. you get called back for a second mammogram. And it's inconclusive, the first one, and there's no, no results on anything. 
and you ain't sleeping. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody now. Am I talking to anybody? We get caught up in the initial report because we get worried of what might be. Peter was asleep in the moment, resting. That's an example for us, church. When you know there's greater on you and in you than any of those circumstances around you, it'll still shake you, it'll still rock you, but there should be something on the inside of you that's greater that rises up and says, mm, this has to turn out to my favor. This has to work for me, even though it looks like it's working against me. It might cost me some stuff. It might hurt me for a while. It might cause me some, some, some blood, sweat, and tears. It might hurt, but something on the inside of me is a no that I know that I know because I don't have to go look over here to find out. I have a witness on the inside of me that says, everything is going to be okay. And what does okay look like? If I die, I go there. If I live, I still have him here. I'm a winner either way, the song says. If I go or if I stay. You wanna sing it? You know what I'm saying? You're a winner either way, okay? Now, what happens is when you begin to, hype, to take the seed or the, the moment and you begin to plant it in your head, here's how this works. And I've said this so many times because this is, this is really where the enemy tries to get in our head. The, the, the moment happens or, or the seed is planted in our mind. We take that seed. We begin to walk out a series of events in our head that have never even occurred in real life but they've happened in your mind in about 30 seconds. You have played out a series of movie, a movie in your mind. You're the star actor and you've got supporting cast all around you. You do, in your head. They don't know they're in the movie, but you do. And if you're not careful, you'll have played out an entire sequence of events in your mind that develops worry and anxiety and, and anxiousness and it never even happened in real life. Peter's at our example. He was asleep at night. It was dark. It was a dark time. The man knew James had died and he was next. I would not have been asleep. Come on, am I talking to anybody else? There's no way. I'd have been sitting, you know you would. You'd have been laying there going. And if you couldn't get free from breaking out of the chains, you'd have been trying to talk to the person next to you to see how well they could talk them into letting you free. You'd have been going, so you got kids? You know, you, Peter was asleep. Two on the inside, two on the outside. Watch this. Verse seven. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, raised him up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, gird thyself and put on your own sandals. I'm, I took the chains off, but you gotta put your own shoes on. Right? Get yourself dressed. You hear what I just said? The Lord can free you in your mess, but you've got to put some stuff up and get up and go. You can't just lay there all free, church. I'm talking about the cross. 
He took away your sins, give you the Holy Spirit inside of you. And many of us are laying there right now where the light shined upon us and we're going, yeah. And we know we've got revelation of we've been free, we're sin free. Thank God you've forgiven us. We're on our way to heaven one day. There's no shackles or chains on us, but there's not many of us have picked up ourselves, put our clothes on and said, let's go. We're still basking in the presence of the light that says, thank you, Lord, I'm free. Well, thank God you're free. Now what? Right? Thank God you're free. But what are you going to do now? You can't just lay there in prison and be free in prison. The light shined and said, do something. Just go. Now watch this. I find it unique that nobody around, or ironic, no one's around. The four soldiers don't even see this happening. But Peter does. Gird yourself. Get yourself ready. Put on your own sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put your garment about thee, and watch this, follow me. Follow me because I recognize you're sleeping, you're groggy. You're not really sure what's happening right now. You're, 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 you're in a fog in the middle of this thing. Watch this. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. This is the same fella that was on Cornelius' rooftop and had a vision. So he was used to having visions. He was used to having encounters. Now Peter's got now having a different encounter. This is when the rubber's meeting the road. You're dying tomorrow, Peter. Right after Easter, you're dead. Beheaded, it's over. Peter's asleep. The angel of the Lord comes and says, boom, here you go. Get up, put on your own clothes and your own shoes and follow after me. Peter started following after the angel of the light and he still wasn't even sure if it was a truth or not. Sometimes you have to get up and get yourself going, Amen. even when you don't even know if it's God or not God. If you're waiting on the third and fourth and the fifth confirmation, sometimes it ain't gonna happen. You'll lay there all free with the light shining on you, with no shackles or chains on your life, and you're thinking, I need another confirmation. You don't have to fleece till you fleece yourself out. Get up and go. Get up and try the spirit to see if it's of God. Why can you do that? Because you have the spirit living inside of you. That's the governor on your vehicle that's not gonna let you go too fast and he's not gonna let you go too slow. He's gonna guide you into all truth and righteousness. He'll put the speed limit on. He'll put you in synchronized time. He'll put you in the right place at the right moment. Peter had to get up and go. Peter went up and went. He, wouldn't, he thought he saw a vision. What's this? When they were past the first and the second ward, they came into, now this is, he's passing the same places that he had to come in. Do you know, sometimes I wish there was a different way out. I wish the Lord would wake him up and say, there's a window on the roof, shimmy up the pole, go out the back door. No, Peter didn't have that luxury. Peter had to walk out the first and the second ward because Peter had to walk in and through the first and second ward. Sometimes when you're free, the light's shining on you, the shackles and chains are removed, God tells you to get up and follow after me even when you don't know if you're, what you're really following after, you're just trusting him when you can't even see him, you just know something's happening. And as you're walking after him, you're hoping it's God, you're believing it's God, you're trying to convince yourself it's God, but you gotta sometimes walk back through the same door you walked right into. Because very rarely, nothing goes away. 
That means you might have to go through that surgery. You might have to, listen to me, you might have to have that breast removed. Well, the Lord wouldn't be in that. He could be in all of that. You, might, you mean to tell me that I tore out my, my ACL and, yeah. You mean I got fired on my job and he, yeah. Sometimes you gotta walk back through the first and second board. I wish there was a way of escape. See, the church's message has always been for the last 2,000 years, we grab something that's, it's an escapism mindset. We want out. We don't wanna go through. Lord Jesus, come quickly. How many of you prayed that prayer? Oh my gosh, I've prayed it. I've prayed, I said, Lord, this would be a perfect time for you to come. I'm gonna stand there and look at the eastern sky, not realizing, I'm not sure if I'm looking at the eastern or the western sky, so I'm so confused in life. It's just, I, Lord, keep coming, just come. And while I'm looking, guess what? Life's still happening. Things still keep getting better and some things get worse. But I've gotta engage, so I keep looking. God, do something, do, I'm looking for you every day. I hope he does come back. I hope he does. But my experience has been, you go through. Life is a through. I don't know why things happen to certain people. I don't know why, I don't understand all of that. I don't have all those answers, but I know one thing, you can't quit. Sure, you're gonna mourn and, and, and wrestle with ideas and thoughts and pains and pressures of life, but you can have joy again. There'll be joy comes in the morning. You just gotta keep going through. If you stay in the prison, even though you're free, that's my whole concern. My concern is the church is free from the, the bonds and the, 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 the shackles and the chains, but we're still laying there because we don't know if it's God. We don't know how to get ourselves up and move forward. We're afraid to go forward because we're afraid of what it might be because we made so many mistakes before. The Lord, last thing we want to do is make another mistake. So it's either it's safer to stay right here in prison. It's safer. You won't make any more mistakes. No, that's the biggest mistake because you won't experience what God has for you out there as you go through the door. Then you have to be ready to go. Most people in the church, I shouldn't say most, many in the church, once we start following after the Lord, we see the first and second ward and we recognize, oh God, I don't wanna go through that again. And what we do, we run back and lay down in the prison. We'll put our shackles beside our hands, right? Just because it reminds us, God, at least it's safe here. Right? You got, you got guards that are watching you. It's safe. You can't play it safe in this thing. There is no playing it safe when God frees you. You got to get up, even when you're hurting. And some, you may be wobbling out of there. You might be limping out of there. You might be vomiting out of there. You might be sick all the way. You might be shaking and scared every step you take. But you've got to take a step. And you've got to move forward. And you have to go, otherwise you're making the cross and the death of the blood of Jesus Christ in vain. Amen. He didn't die to just set you free and lay in a prison. He died and resurrected to give you the governor himself inside of you to lead and guide you past the first war, past the second war. And you come into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, why? Because he wants you to release into your destiny in life, into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed. And when the angel, when the, when the revelation, listen to this, when he finally gets him to the place where Peter can't turn around and go back, he don't see God anymore. 
And this is the place where we get to sometimes as, as people, as church, as Christians, where we go, well, God, where are you? You brought me out here. You caused me to start that business. You caused me to leave that place. I would have never changed, I would have never moved cities and changed jobs, Lord, if I didn't think it was you. You caused it, now you're looking for him. And what do you have to do when you don't see him? You gotta pull back the anchor and says, he'll never leave me or forsake me. And he's good. And he's for me, not against me. Right? Right in the midst of all of this. Open the city gate. Which opened to them up of his own accord. They went out, passed through on one street before the angel departed from him. The angel was gone. Next verse. And when Peter was come to himself, Peter gets up out of prison, free, follows an angel, not even sure if it's God, walked out of the prison cell. The Lord blinded the four men that were watching him that they weren't even having a clue what was going on as he's walking out the door. Peter never once said, what about the four? Peter kept his eye on the angel, the light, not on the ones that were holding him in bondage. Sometimes we're so concerned about casting out the devil that we would have stopped and wanted to fight the enemy, the guards, instead of following the light that gets us out of the prison. Right? Yeah, I'll show them. I'll show, don't you worry about them. You just go. Get out. Run. He delivered me out of the hand of the Herod and of, of the, let's see. He said, now, now I, am, I know of surely, surety, that the Lord hath sent the angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Peter now finally gets a revelation. Now, I'm no longer in the prison. I'm out here in life. I'm ready to go. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where all these church people have been praying in an all-night prayer meeting for Peter to be spared. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, a mighty woman of God named Rhoda. And when she knew, when she, she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. She didn't even open the door for the guy. And they said unto her, thou art crazy, you're mad. But she constantly affirmed, now I want you to think about this. God answers your prayer and they didn't have sense enough to even know it. What are you praying for that he's already answered? And you're waiting for another, you're waiting for another confirmation. See, here's why. And what I'm really getting at, they all were gathered in that upper room, if you remember those people before. I don't know if Rhoda was in that room or not, but she was around. And they were all gathered in that upper room. And nobody opened a door in that upper room. When the Holy Spirit fell on them on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in that room and the entire room was shaken and that Holy Spirit penetrated that room. So the frame of reference that they had before when they were praying all together was something had to happen like this. Uh-oh, it's gotta come that way. So when it come knocking at the door, it wasn't conventional or what they had to have frame of reference of. You gotta know that God is not gonna answer your prayer the same way every single time. 
I had a guy call me one time. Had me pray. Well, we were actually, he didn't call me. We were talking. And he, he said, um, I want you to help me pray for my son. He's, he deals drugs. I said, man, pray. I said, uh, and we prayed. And he had just recently got saved himself. And it was all new to him. And he was all excited. He carried that Bible wherever he went. And, and he always asked questions. And he said, hey, he said, I want you to pray for my son. He's really in trouble. He's, he's, he deals drugs. He's bad. He, he's, I'm afraid he's going to get a lot, a lot of you know, trouble in jail or he'll get sent to prison or he's going to get killed. Something's not good. He said, pray with me. Let's pray. So we prayed. And as we prayed for him, I heard the whole word in my heart because I have the governor. I didn't have to go look at the book. Something inside of me was speaking. And I said, oh, this is it. Your son's going to get saved. And I, this is it. I feel it. God's going to save him. We prayed. I said, and God and I are pretty close. And he kind of laughed. He said, you think he'll hear you? I said, he'll hear you too if you just believe you're close. So he prayed. His name was Gary. i never forget it. We prayed. Next day, he comes up to me. He said, so much for that. I said, what are you talking about? He said, so much for that. He said, his, little, his son was little Gary. He said, I just got off the phone. Gary got arrested last night, dealing drugs. You said he was going to get saved. I said, I'm excited. This is the best thing that ever happened to him. I said, this is wonderful. God's answering the prayer. He went, what are you talking about? God's answering the prayer. He just got arrested. He's looking at 15 or 20 years in prison. I said, I know what he's looking at. I know what I know. I know what I know. God's going to save that boy. This is the best thing that ever happened. God's answered. God heard our prayer and is answering it. Right? Rhoda. Right? When you begin to trust the Lord that he's not going to leave you or forsake you, when you trust the Lord, he's for you and not against you, and he's always good. If those are become your pillars that you live from, when you are praying and seeking God after a certain situation and the, and the report or the, or the information that comes to you is contrary to what you are believing for, you still have to trust that God's answering that prayer. It won't be how you think it is. Because our frame of reference is, whoa, glory, great report, everything's good. He hit his knees at the altar and ran into the church room and the preacher led him into the door and I surrender all and just happened to be at the right place. No, he went to jail. A couple days later, I run into the Gary, the dad. I says, how's the son? He goes, yeah, I can't believe this. Went to a prison or jail service, church service in jail. Gave his heart to the Lord. I said, man, that's how it works, Gary. I got ready to walk away from the conversation. I went back to him and I said, he's still looking at 10 to 15 years? He said, yeah. I said, is that important now? He said, well, yeah, I don't want him to spend the rest of his life in prison. I said, did God not answer? He saved him. And if God answered that part, if he spends 10 or 15 years in prison, we're going to trust the Lord either way. Whether he goes or whether he stays, we're trusting the Lord because the Lord is faithful. Why? Why is he faithful? Because... He's good. He's for us and not against us. And he'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll take your good choices and he'll make you look good. He'll make your, take your bad choices and he'll still make you look good. Christian people are the only people I know that can fall in it and still smell good. Why? That's how Jesus did it. That was the pattern. You go down to come up. 
We always just want to stay up. We don't ever want to experience down. You will never experience the fruit of up unless you experience the pain of down. Suffering makes the glory that much good, better. You triumph. You're going to have blood, sweat, and tears. And it gets hard sometimes. And I was at a church service one time and a pastor was making an altar call and he said, you'll never have trouble again. That's what he said. You'll never, you come down here and give your heart to the Lord, you'll never have trouble again. And I'd been saved a long time. And I thought to myself, either we have different gods or I didn't get right the first time. So I sit there for a few minutes and I thought, well, I'm gonna try this out. So I walked down to the front and I said, I wanna sign up. I, I, I know of Amway. I know the multi-level marketing scheme. I know of all these things, but this is too good to be true. And this is some sort of network marketing thing. I want to be a part of it. I want because I'm gonna sign me up. I want to sign up for the Jesus that I never have trouble again. And the man says, "Well, that was a." Is what he said to me. He said, "Well, that was a. That was not really, really what I was really saying. Was it won't be as bad as it is right now." I said, "Well, let me just tell you. I got saved and things got worse." This is a true story. He said, I said, I got saved and it got worse. I said, in fact, it got so bad that I realized I wanted, I wanted to get unsaved, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to unlist un, un for that because it was really bad. I said, man, things were falling apart. I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, he said well, tell me what happened. I start telling him my testimony. He's sitting down there and this is the truth. This is a pastor of a church, not in this town. So don't go trying to figure out who it is. I led that pastor to the Lord. He never had been truly converted. He was brought up in church, went to Sunday school, went right into the ministry and seminary, graduated from seminary and come out and begin echoing what he had been taught. But he had never had an experience. And I grabbed his hands and prayed for him. And I said, are you ready for this? He said, yeah. I said, things are going to get bad. <laughs> it's going to get real bad. I said, but I promise you they'll get good again. And I said, and that's, the, the, that's this relationship and this walk with Jesus the Christ. When you have your prayers answered in ways you never thought they would. And you got to be able to see God in all things. The good the bad, and the ugly. But you trust him, because he's good. He's never not good. Right? He'll never leave you or he'll never forsake you. Ever. It's not, it's not an option, not possible. And what you have on the inside of you is greater than any obstacle that can come against you in life. So when you pray, and God starts answering in unorthodox ways, you still say, oh, I don't understand it, and it's sure making me sweat, but it has to turn out to my good. Right? And don't be afraid. Well, and even if you are afraid, do it anyway. Walk past the first ward. Walk past the second ward. Walk this thing out, and don't be afraid or intimidated by the roadmap the Lord has laid out for, for you.
It might make you uncomfortable. It might make you sweat a little bit, maybe even cry a few tears, maybe even shake in your shoes. But I can give you great comfort today to tell you, you will come out on top if you don't quit. Stand with me. I'm not sure that was a sermon today or a ESPN motivational speech. I've been at baseball all week. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. I feel like the Lord is just allowing us to unmask what the, a lot of the enemy's tactics against these people. And we've made it really difficult and real hard. And we have a tendency to do that. But I just want to encourage you today. Don't limit the effectiveness and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. He paid an incredible price for us to be able to walk in freedom. And it's not good enough for us just to have the shackles off of our hands and our feet and still lay there in our prisons. Thinking we're free, but we're not really free. Freedom comes as you go. Freedom comes as you walk this thing out. Freedom comes with your future looking bright, even though sometimes you don't even know what it looks like as you take the step. Sometimes you have to go moving forward even when you think it's God or you're not sure it's God, you still gotta go move forward. Can you trust him to stop, the, shut the door on you? Can you trust him to open the door? No more sheepishly or gingerly walking through life with great timidity thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't How about you just buckle up, sign up for the ride, get in line, move forward. Is there anybody ready to go? You need to enjoy your summer because come fall, we're buckling up. Some of you are going to start businesses that you've been wanting to start. Some of you are going to buy homes that you've been renting all your life. Some of you are going to get involved in your kids as you've never been involved in your kids for a long time. Some of you, families are going to come back to get, you're going to see stuff happen. Why? Because we're going to preach it. We're going to push it. We're going to move it. We're going to shape on it. We're going to we're going to stick our, rub our nose in it. We are. Why? We're moving forward. We are moving forward. And you're moving forward too. Do you have anything? No? That's my cue to close. Your prayers were answered. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless my brother and I bless my sister today. God, we know for a fact, we know for truth that you're good. You're solid. Lord, we can trust you. We know that. We believe that and helps, Lord, when we get into that place when circumstances of life sometimes feel like it's hard to, to see. Help us to pull up that anchor and hold on to that thing deep inside us that says, I know it doesn't look like it, but I know he's good. And Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that when we feel isolated and alone and we're trying to figure out, is that you or is that the devil or is that us or what do we do? I pray, God, that there'll be something rise up on the inside of us by the Spirit of God that says, You'll never leave us or forsake us. And you'll remind us of that truth. And Lord, as obstacles of life hit us and people put pressure on you and, and it just continues to just mount and we're trying to figure out how it all works and we're just trying to maneuver our way through the maze of life, let the anchor rise up in us and says that there's something greater in us than anything that could come against us in this world. We bless you today, Father. We thank you for the price that you paid to set us free. 
Let us not cheapen it. Let us not sell it short. Let your people get up from off of themselves that are in that prison, put up on them the clothes of righteousness, walk through the first ward, the second ward, into the street called one, into the city and be released and come to ourselves that we might be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys.